Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Do you understand how it works? Yeah. Okay, we're I understand. On. Yeah, I know. Just didn't mean to interrupt you. You can't force me to care. You can just... I don't. Like, I don't care if you care. Do your just do your thing. Put your phone down. I'll put my phone down. We don't. We don't. Down. We're not on devices at the dinner table. We don't need to be writing either. Now, okay, occasionally so. we do have to write. No, we don't. I do. <laughs> yeah, like I said, put your pen down. Now, don't touch it for the rest of the show. See if you can manage. I bet you can't. Don't okay. touch your phone, and I won't touch your pen, my pen. My daughter is talking to me right now, and I need to talk to her, so I can't do that. Well, but normally I could. Maybe next daughter, time. Is your daughter talking to you through your phone? Well, I don't see why I should have to or give up wife, something. Or your wife? Yeah, maybe. This is a spy pen. I just think as a point of, I just think a larger point is that you probably can't not do that for an hour. Well, if you ever want to step up to the plate, wager wise, we'll do that I'm next all? episode. Okay, next episode. Today we're bringing family together, as you can tell, and having a Thanksgiving themed episode. Pre. Oh wow! Is it really? Thanksgiving. We're recording it earlier. Well, this will be. Running the week of Thanksgiving, the week before. Uh, oh, okay, so we're, we're transitioning just into Thanksgiving. Yeah, this is stuff. so. What's your Thanksgiving ritual every year? I'm sure it's exciting, delightful. Yeah, I'm sure it's. Exciting. I thought that's what you're yeah. gonna say. Uh, what, do you, what do you do for Thanksgiving? I make. We have dinner at our house. My mom comes over, and nice. my wife's youngest brother and his wife nice. come over, and we have whatever scattering of miscreant S- children, friends. Gotcha. Come over. It's usually we only can fit like, I guess it's eight people around our dinner table, so oh. we we limit it. It's an exclusive event. What do you normally do? You make turkey? I do. I make turkey and I make dressing because I don't actually stuff it. I gotcha. Um, and I make uh, Annie makes cranberry sauce mm-hmm. from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hard to do. No, I mean like actual cranberries and like makes uh-huh. thing. It's actually gotcha. really good. She only gotcha. makes like three things, but yeah. that one's good. Uh, and I asked my mom to make biscuits. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, then she usually brings something else. Nice. And how she big used it? to bring her own little toaster oven yeah. too, just in case. My mom's like sure. a walking worst case scenario. Like, sure. well, I mean, just in case every electronic goes out in the house, well, I brought an extra stove in the back I, of my. I truck. have to say, you also are somewhat like that. You just oh don't yeah, very much so. You, I think your mom taught you. Yeah. That. I didn't go very far in Boy Scouts, but I'm a prepared motherfucker. <laughs> you are prepared. So how big of a bird do you usually get? Uh, We're just going to go deep on the Thanksgiving. Yeah. It depends on how many people are coming. Usually somewhere in the 12 to 15 and, range. And are you a... Um, a do you I do, grill do, it. Uh, I brine it. Father of the brine. Father of the brine the night ask. before. And then I grill it. Mostly because our oven sucks. You grill and, it? You're mm-hmm. like you have a big I enough grill. It. You have a big enough grill to I spatchcock it and then grill it. That is crazy. Wow. Because okay. our oven sucks, which I found out the sure. first year sure. eleven years ago and I still haven't replaced it. But we cooked cool. a giant full turkey for me, my wife and my mom, and it took like nine hours. It was like uh, <laughs> accidental tourist tours. Like what the hell is uh, taking so that's long? That's interesting. But, yeah. Um, well, we can get into my Thanksgiving preferences next week since we'll have more. No, well, this is to we're not. Ta- we're done with Thanksgiving oh, next week. Oh, eh. then we're getting into gotcha. the holidays. Well, my oven sucks, but not as bad as yours. Right. So I just make a turkey in the oven usually. But a tradition in my family is to also make Italian food. So right, you bang bang Thanksgiving. I, may, I bang bang. Th- we do a bang bang on Thanksgiving, like the Louis C.K. episode. We. We do the full normal Thanksgiving dinner, and then I usually make lasagna or big ziti with garlic bread. Then my daughter. Do you have a preference between both. the two, or is it is no? It, for is me, it liter- for me, literally the way I was raised, you have both on Thanksgiving, and so I've just decided that's a funny tradition. And no, when, I mean between big ziti and lasagna. Who oh, decides uh, which well, one? Well, uh, we kind of do the same thing for Christmas, so it's like whatever I don't make on Thanksgiving is the know. indicator for yeah, how yeah. Christmas goes. Um, lasagna is more work, so I usually save that one for Christmas. But my daughter will have. Do you a do preference. the Carmela recipe and you layer spinach in there as well? No, okay. no, I don't layer spinach in there. That's disgusting. Um, but yeah, we. Um, it's usually me that does most of the cooking. Jenny will do. My wife will do. 
uh, biscuits and stuff. We'll have her family over, and then uh, her usually her dad, and then her uncle Larry and her aunt Sue, and then her aunt Joanne, and then uh, sometimes some of my friends come over that are sort of away from their parents. So we have a nice little um, gathering of all different age groups. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, and then you watch the Cowboys, obviously. No, we, we watch America's team. We, watch, we don't watch football. We watch the. Um, do you watch the parades? No, not usually. Jenny and Bella kind of like to, my daughter, but I don't. I can't stand parades. Um, but we Weird. do watch, I would have thought yeah, that would have been right up your head. Yeah, it's so fascinating to watch people fucking walk in front of you. Woo! Um, we do watch the uh, Peanuts Thanksgiving special. It's a good one. And we sometimes, usually actually watch uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. To me, that's a quintessential Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. So, um, but I'm sure, uh, but... All that, we're talking about all that, and we're talking about food today because... Because we're making such a social faux pas of skipping movies 41 through 3. Yeah. (laughs) But we're going to go back to those. We just thought, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, so let's talk about a movie that makes me think of food whenever I watch it, and that is, of course... um, Chef. Spirited Away. (laughs) Probably considered Miyazaki's best movie, um, at least popularly considered Miyazaki's best movie. Um, I don't think it's my favorite, but it's it's one of them for sure. Yeah, I would say um, probably not my my personal favorite, but I definitely see why. Yeah, it's definitely one of his yeah. best for sure. So, um, Spirited Away came out in Ot One, Ot One, and won the Oscar for Best Animated Film that year. And up until this year's, Your Name was the highest grossing anime of all time. Um, was just beat up this year by uh, Your Name. Um, so we actually had the privilege of showing this movie on Toonami many years ago. Oh, six. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a promo that you, Gil, wrote and produced. I did. Right? Uh, and cut with our editor, Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. So why don't we take a look at that and then we'll talk about the movie. What is this place? Come on, I want to see what's on the other side. Chihiro didn't like adventures. Wait for me! But on her way to becoming the new girl in a new town, a wrong turn trapped her in the spirit world with no hope of escape. And unless she can remember her name, she'll be a slave forever. Let's go! Now, she must learn the rules of a dangerous new reality. Save her parents. And find her way back home. What would you like? I would like to leave, sir. Along the way. She may just discover what it means to be human. What's going on? It's called love. Toonami is proud to present the Academy Award-winning film Spirited Away. Saturday night at 7.30. Part of a month of Miyazaki. Don't sleep on it. This is dream. Only Toonami on Cartoon Network. So funny. It sounded so weird to hear... Only Toonami on Adult Swim in the beginning, and uh, now it feels weird to hear. Oh, sure. On Only Cartoon Toonami on Cartoon Network. Um, so uh, that, that was part of our month of Miyazaki where we showed four Miyazaki films, and that was because we had a deal. TCM at the time had a deal to um, broadcast Miyazaki stuff, and they had six. They had access to six, and of those six, we were able to show four. Um, and this was, I think, the second week's. Or was it, I think it was the it first. Off? We might have kicked it off with Spirited Away. So Spirited Away is um, an original story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Miyazaki often will adapt other stories, but Spirited Away is an original story. It's about a young girl named Chihiro who is moving across the country with her parents. And on their drive, they sort of get lost and end up in this kind of creepy temple area. And she keeps warning them. Why, well, things are getting weird, yeah. and they kind of ignore her and don't listen to her. And they, they're nice, but they're oblivious. They're yeah. sort of like in, in this movie, adults are somewhat clueless, and only the children really know what's going on, kind of, or the people that are sort of overlooked. Um, so Chihiro ends up going with her parents, and as the sun starts setting, this sort of ghost town show begins to appear. Um, and they run across, her parents run across a food stall that smells delicious. So they sit down and start eating. And once they start eating, they transform into pigs and they're all trapped there. And then Chihiro gets trapped. 
um, and eventually ends up at the at a bathhouse for spirits, essentially, right. and gods. Um, and there's a lot of Japanese folklore in there uh, in terms of the types of gods. And there's a there's like a river god, and there's um, all kinds of weird spirits. And they're sort of most of them come from Japanese folklore. So Chihiro ends up her name gets taken from her, and using the power of having her name, the witch who runs the um, bathhouse forces her to work for her or she'll never tell her who her parents are because basically they put her parents in a pig with the other pens and they all look the same so she doesn't know so once she takes her name from her she writes it down and takes it she can't remember her name anymore so everyone calls her sen which i think means nothing yeah yeah and so she becomes sort of a um, a cleaning lady at, at this at this place and it the rest of the movie is about her journey to figure out a how to get her name b how to get her parents back and c how to get out back into the real world out of the spirit world and she befriends a dragon who is also takes the shape of a boy her age and i can't remember the dragon's name i can't either yeah but they fall but they fall in love um so it's also a love story um, and it's one of those movies that's sort of, uh, I mean, there's a reason it's an all-time classic, because it's one of those movies that's like, it's a kid's movie, but not really. You could watch it at any age, really. Yeah, he made it specifically for kids, yeah. but did so, but made such a great movie that it's not just. That's kind of more universal, but I mean, it has a lot of... And weirdly, messing. he was, he'd wanted to make a movie for a while, and the two movies that he pitched before that were rejected. I don't understand how that works. Like if you're the boss of the company, <laughs> of the studio who's telling you no, they might have, they might have looked into how but expensive maybe, yeah, it would it was be to just make a, those. And they were like, come the on, financing we can't afford like, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so there are some classic characters, including sitting at this table here in this p- background picture. That's no face. Who's one of the, he's sort of, I mean, in classic Miyazaki fa- fashion, even the evil, witch isn't really evil. She just has different motivations and is more selfish, but she has a child of her own that she wants to look after. And she has a, a sister that she's estranged from and, uh, Sen or Chihiro end up taking a journey to sort of meet this other sister. Who's sort of the good witch. And so it's like, you know, the thing I love about Miyazaki movies is the bad guys aren't really black and white. They're bad, but their motivations are somewhat more complicated usually. Even though it's clear what they're doing is wrong, they aren't sort of like, ahaha, like cartoon evil. Um, and the same thing with the good guys. Their motivations are a little murkier, and they usually have some personal growth that they need to go through. So it's like, it's kind of classic kids' movie material, but put through this crazy psychedelic yeah. lens. and layered with yokai spirits and yeah. folklore and they also this was one of the earliest um this is one of the earlier uses for miyazaki of of cg there's a couple scenes uh where they do sort of 2d cg hybrid and that's something that miyazaki hadn't really done before um and of course he pulled it off really well in this movie so again i mean most of anyone watching this has probably seen this movie but if you haven't it's time it's, for you to yeah, it's actually step it's pretty up. good. Yeah, it's it's uh, what's the number three on our two two number two on our list of the best anime of all time. Um, you know, I think that it deserves that spot. So yeah. Um, so, but that led us to our topic of the day because there's so much eating and food in the movie. Food is such a central part of that movie. We thought, well, what's your favorite food movie? Um, because it was, we knew this was going to be a Thanksgiving episode. So food movie for the purposes of this discussion is a movie where food takes a central food is a central focus it's not like food's not it doesn't have to be sausage party or veggie tales or you know like it it, it doesn't have to be about food anthropomorphic food food. has to be a, a central part of the movie so um first up for me is one of my favorite movies when i was a kid and one of my daughter's favorite movies when she was younger and that is of course uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory the gene wilder (laughs) version um i actually don't hate the johnny depp version but it's just not Not as good not compared to the um the gene wilder original version it doesn't have that magic um so this is an adaptation of roald Dahl's book um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, and I guess for the movie they decided Willy Wonka was a more colorful character, so they changed it to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But otherwise, the film is a fairly 
yeah. faithful uh, representation of the Roald Dahl book. Um, it's a musical, which is unusual for me to like because I generally don't like musicals. But it's one of the my it's one of the only musicals where the music doesn't bother me. Um, probably because it's a such a funny mix of creepy and absurd, sweet and, and absurd. Yeah. It's just it's, it's got layers. It's got layers. Um, probably the the performance I identify most with um, Gene Wilder, along with Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein and uh, um, busting loose, <laughs> busting loose. Um, so I have a clip of the movie here that Gil and I quote often. Sometimes, um, <laughs> often. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a misnomer. We quote often because uh, it's a scene, one of many quotables in this movie uh, that sticks in my head. So we'll just check this scene out. Walker? I am extraordinarily busy, sir. I just wanted to ask about the chocolate. The lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You're a crook. You're a cheat and a swindler. That's what you are. How can you do a thing like this? Build up a little boy's hopes and then smash all his dreams to pieces. You're an inhuman monster! I said good day! Come on, Charlie. Let's get out of here. I'll get even with him if it's the last thing I ever do. Slugworth wants a gobstopper. He'll get one. Mr. Wonka? So shines a good deed in a weary world. Charlie! My boy. You won! You did it! You did it! I knew you would! I just knew you would! Oh, Charlie. Forgive me for putting you through this. Please, forgive me. Come in, Mr. Wilkinson. Charlie, meet Mr. Wilkinson. Pleasure. Slugworth. No, no, that's not Slugworth. He works for me. For you? I had to test you, Charlie, and you passed the test. So, Willy Wonka is essentially a sicko, (laughs) but that's why I love the movie. Um, Also a movie that talks about food, particularly sweets and candies, but, um, you know, it's all about food. Um, and then next up is a movie I liked a lot when I saw it uh, when it came out in 96. Um, in, saw it in the theater. Uh, it is Stanley Tucci's directorial debut. Um, it's a pretty wonderful movie. It's really low-key, but I've found myself, I've watched it several times since, and it always sort of leaves me with a good feeling, and that's Big Night. Not Big Night Out. It's not a Big Night Out. It's a Big Night. Um, so... Uh, the movie stars Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub, and as you can see behind me, Mark Anthony, the singer. Uh, and they are two Italian brothers that own an Italian restaurant that is struggling. And most of the movie's plot concerns, they have um, basically a, they have they're trying to throw this one big dinner for Louis Prima, who at the time was a, a well-known Italian singer, because they feel like if they could 
impress Louis Prima, he'll tell his famous friends, and then they'll really get on the map. But they're about out of money. So the whole movie is tension between Stanley Tucci, who's the brother who runs it and has to manage the money, and Tony Shalhoub, who is the is the chef and wants only to put out the finest stuff, but it, that costs money, and he won't compromise. So it's about these two brothers, and it's about... Um, uh, Stanley Tucci's character falls in love with Minnie Driver's character. So it's about them sort of reaching a point in their lives where they kind of want to do their own thing and not really knowing that yet. And also a little bit about that time and what it was like to be an immigrant in the U.S. Um, but it's a great movie and it's got some wonderful food scenes. And I mean, I'm an Italian, so whenever I see it, I always want to eat everything that they're making. Um, so let's check out. This is, um, I believe, a clip from Big Night, um, so let's check that out. Clemon, let me ask you something. What do you think if we take risotto off the menu? Remo. What do you think about that, huh? Take risotto off the menu. I'm sorry. What did you say? Forget it. No, no, no. I know you. What you say? Tell me what you say. Well, it's just that risotto costs us a lot, and it takes you a long time to make. I mean, you have to work so hard to make, you know, and then we have to charge more. So. I think take it away. Sure. Good. Really? Yeah, that's good. Grazie. Okay. Maybe instead uh, we could put. Yes. Tell me, tell me. Well, uh, I was thinking. uh... Mm, What? What do they call it? You know, is a. Come si dice? Manicotti. No. Is a. Hot dog? Hot dog? Hot dog? Yeah. Hot dogs. I think people would like that. Those. If you give people time, they learn. Well. I don't have time for them to learn. This is a restaurant, not a fucking school. <laughs> so that's pretty much exemplifies their funny but testy relationship. But a uh, great movie if you are interested in any of those actors or Italian food, which I am. And then finally, uh, a movie that kind of blew me away when I was in college and saw it. Um, and it is about food, among other things. Uh, and that's, of course, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Um, by the great Peter Greenaway. Um, it's a really unusual movie. Um, it's the first movie I saw Michael Gambon in, <laughs> and Helen Mirren is amazing in it, um, as well as Tim Roth is in it, uh, a bunch of other really good actors. It's in some ways a hard movie to watch, but um, it's amazing yeah, to it's look not at. Comfortable? No, it's not like a curl up with. I checked this movie out of the library in college, and you could do it for free, but you had to bring them back. Like I think you had it for forty eight hours, and I lost it or somebody stole it or something. I had to pay you like one hundred and fifty dollars. I was yeah. like one hundred and fifty dollars for this video, and they were like, "Well, that's how we get people not to lose yeah, it." Yeah, back when that was the deal. Um, so I have a. Um, it's a really unusual movie. Jean Paul Gaultier designed all the costumes for the movie. Um, it's shot almost. A lot of Peter Greenway's movies are really about one big wide shot, so it's really composed like a painting. Um, so it's a really interesting movie to watch. Um, so I think I have a, a scene from this movie for it for you, and I think it kind of. If you think this scene looks like something you would want to watch, then. You're going to be you in. Should. If you don't, then you probably should avoid <laughs> it because it's a weird one. Let's check it out.
is Richard? He's plucking. He's plucking, eh? Richard! Richard, where are you? Stop there plucking. Where are you? Uh, now, what's that? S A A S P. That's not good. Now, let it right. Right, Richard! Richard! There you are, Richard. Now, leave that now and come and see what I've got you, eh? I've brought you a present. Well, this is our anniversary. Three months of mutual understanding, eh, Richard? Three months since I first invited you to be my favourite restaurateur. Mr. Speaker, this is a duck. Ducks are born with the feathers on. But it's your dinner, Mr. Speaker. If you want the feathers to remain, we could try the dish. I suppose by leaving the feathers as they are. Canard en sublime torch. Mitchell, you mule. <laughs> Here, Richard, come on, come on, come on. I'll have to clean your bed. Here, Georgina, it's times have I told you, no smoking in the kitchen. Mitchell, get your ass down here quick. Come on, Mitchell. Now, Richard, this is your, well, our, our new sign. It's dark in the restaurant. Yes, Philip. Thanks to Mr. Speaker's generosity. It is dark everywhere. So, unlike Big Night, that movie does not really make one hungry. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so, those are three movies I like a lot that are somewhat concerned with food. <laughs> that, that's a longer yeah. question yep. to put up. Movies you like a lot that are somewhat concerned with food. Yeah. Uh, first for me is Ang Lee's 1994 Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, which takes place in Taipei, Taiwan in the 90s. And it's the Chu family who's. Patriarch is a great chef, and he has three unmarried daughters, um, and they're all sort of representative of traditional uh, Taiwanese society. Uh, his oldest daughter isn't married, and she's converted to Christianity. His middle daughter is, I think she's an airline executive. She's some sort of business executive, and she really loves cooking, but hasn't pursued it the way her father has. And then the youngest daughter is a college student, and the, every week he prepares a big meal and they come and have uh, a family dinner and the traditional airing of grievances. And so this movie is really just about talking about family and life and love and food. And it's a really sweet movie. Uh, and I like it a lot. And we have the trailer, which does a pretty good job of showing you the movie. So let's check that out. the acclaimed director of The Wedding Banquet. The Samuel Goldwyn Company presents Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. The story of three sisters looking for a recipe for romance and their father, one of the world's great chefs, trying to understand the ingredients. In this family, if you can't cope, you can always cook. Three women with a taste for life. And dad just trying to stay on the menu. One part laughter. One part passion. With a dash of intrigue. Honor. And adventure mixed in. Eat, drink, man, woman. From director Ang Lee and the creators of last year's surprise hit, The Wedding Banquet. Family life as you've never tasted it before. I don't want to spoil it with that trailer. <laughs> That's sucks. a pretty hilarious trailer, <laughs> though. Crazy 90s. Every food and, metaphor they could. And also trying to cover up the fact that it's not actually in English. So that I just love when foreign language movies are like, oh, as long as you don't show anyone speaking. You might say speaking. bon appetit. Like it's, it was yeah. like every corn imp, corn ball. Um, but the movie's not nearly that cheesy. Uh, I've never seen it. That's good. Yeah. 
I mean, I it's like not. Ang, I like Ang Lee. Incredible Hulk, but it's uh, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I hope it's not Incredible Hulk. Uh, next for me is 1991 Jean Pierre Junet and Marc Carroll's Delicatessen. Um, this is a movie that doesn't make you hungry. No. Uh, this is a post-apocalyptic France, which is a region of post-apocalyptic movies that I think are somewhat under <laughs> underserved. <laughs> uh, and it takes place all in a, uh, not the whole movie, but the idea is that uh, in this post-apocalyptic France, food is a currency. And so the, this butcher shop is at the bottom of an apartment building and the owner of the building runs the butcher shop and he brings people in lures them in with uh, offers of jobs and then kills them and chops them up and Serves sells them some meat. the meat yeah. to people. Uh, and it's sort of a complicit relationship between the people who are living in the apartment complex and him to a certain degree uh, until one delightful ex-circus clown, Dominique Pignon, <laughs> shows up and he's such a delightful bastard and so good with the knife that the butcher decides maybe I shouldn't kill him right away. And so he and the butcher's daughter end up sort of falling in love. And there's a uh, troglodytes are the vegetarian French resistance. And uh, they sort of try to hatch a plan to spring everybody from this hotel. It's a very weird movie, but it's amazing. Um they made it sort of as an homage to Terry Gilliam. I think the it was they called it, it wasn't produced by it was like inspired by or something weird. Um, but this is the American trailer that doesn't really tell you anything about the movie, but is fairly well done. Um, so let's check it out. I guess the thinking was if you thought that that was too weird, if you thought the that movie scene wasn't was funny, be, you might like it. Yeah. yeah, that's the beginning of the movie, yeah. sort of. <laughs> uh, and then last for me is the documentary from 2011, David Gelb's Jiro Dreams of Sushi, uh, which is a documentary about the aforenamed Jiro and his lifelong dedication to making sushi. That he was the first. I guess not only, but first three-star Michelin uh, sushi chef. I can't say that very well. In the world. See, she uh, sells sushi. I couldn't barely say it once. I couldn't even. <laughs> she sells sushi by the seashore. Yeah. Um, this movie is really, really good. It simultaneously is super inspiring and also makes you feel like a total piece of shit at the same time, which I think is always a good uh, documentary litmus test. Didn't make me feel like a piece of shit. Well, it's because you already know you're a piece of shit. So it's... No, it's because I'm not worried about it. It's an inspiring movie, though. Yeah. 
you probably feel like a piece of shit often, so probably dredge those feelings up again. Mm-hmm. It can only be you. Uh, so let's get inspired some more uh, and check out this clip of Jiro explaining the key to happiness in life. それにもう没頭しなきゃダメです。好きにならなきゃダメです。それ自分の仕事に惚れなきゃダメなんですよ。ただあれがダメ、これがダメって言ってたら一生経ってもまともなことはできないと思います。だから自分がこれを覚えよう
episode two, which has already aired, and hopefully you're enjoying it. So and tonight is episode three. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And or so t- tomorrow night. Tomorrow night or tonight. Um, so we're going to be showing previously on episode one, closely yep. followed by episode two, and a next preview. time on. Okay. For so it's three. a little countdown pack coming up. So let's let's, let's get up to date. Previously on Countdown. I just need to be mad at you. Tom? Hello, Sarah. Just know that I'm sorry. But we've run out of options. Countdown continues now. This is different. I guess Sarah put on some mood lighting. Sarah? Sarah? Where could she be? That's not supposed to happen. Where's my command access to the root directory? I should at least have my backdoor password. Um, hey there, Clyde. I see you've gotten some upgrades. <laughs> okay. Looks like it's time to run! Tom, over here. Yes, I do have to cross through all the lasers, but an open door does seem like an improvement. Here goes. Thanks, whoever you are. So, who are you? Hello, Tom. It's me, Tom. Welcome to the future. I mean, I'm the Tom that you'll be in the future, not the Tom you are right now, here in the future. I'm Future Tom to you. Uh, programmed AI of Future Tom, to be exact. Not the real me, Future Tom. Wait, what? Stop saying Tom and Future. Why would there be a Future Tom? And if there is one, why isn't he here? I programmed a base Tom personality matrix into this old Clyde. So as long as you don't ask me anything too complicated, we should be able to communicate to each other. And we are officially out of options. What the hell are you talking about? About 16 weeks ago, we accidentally flew through a nebula that wasn't on any of the charts. First, it didn't seem like anything happened at all. But then, Sarah started changing. Where is she? Where's Sarah? All around us. Sarah is the Vindication now. Supercharged and on a mission to wipe out all organic life. Thanks to whatever alien junk infected her in that nebula. Once she's refitted herself for maximum damage, she needs to destroy everyone time. Everything. What? I tried reasoning with her. I tried fixing her, and in the end, I even tried destroying her. She gave me this, among other scars. She's too strong. Great. So I'm stuck in a future where my best friend is my ship, and they both want to kill me. It must be Saturday. Follow me. Hurry. Figure out a way to shut down Sarah. Blow up the ship if you have to. Kill her if you even can. But you have to stop her. Or we're all dead. I'm hoping that a younger, faster, undamaged Tom might have some ideas. Why did we ever make Clyde's? Hopefully you guys are um, enjoying it. We had a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, and, hopefully um, you're not counting down to its completion. <laughs> and it'll be the last Total Immersion event for a while. Cause we're, as I said on Twitter. Because we're canceling. We're, we're, no, we're taking some time off because we want the next one to be a really big deal. So it's probably going to be about a year and a half before you see another one. we got to start our paper roots and our lemonade scans. <laughs> yeah, we've got to save our, save our quarters. Um so let's go on to the uh, topical for Dragon Ball Super episode 41, which premieres tomorrow night at 11 p.m. Let's check that out. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. Who could these mysterious purple-clad intruders be? 
Looks like some sort of alien child. You think he's lost? Silence, mortals! Grand Zeno is no child. That's the Omni King, supreme ruler of all 12 universes. <gasps> Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11. Don't you think we should go? Not to worry. I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. You're pretty sure? Only Toonami on Adult Swim. And then next week, yes, we're having a marathon of Dragon Ball Z Kai. So those of you who don't like Dragon Ball can take the week off. No, you can't. Show up. Those of you who Do really, jobs. those of you who really like Dragon Ball, tune in and enjoy uh, some Kai episodes. Uh, let's look at the promo for that. Okay, okay, okay. Let's begin, Majin Boo. That cold-blooded bastard. No, can't. Boo will eat every citizen on this town unless the three-named Piccolo, Trunks, and Goten surrender immediately. He's got no heart at all. Pay. I'll make him pay! Come out, come out, wherever you are! The Dragon Ball Z Kai Marathon, next Saturday at 11. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Post-Thanksgiving yeah, you're still, feast yeah, you're of still, Dragon Ball yeah, you're Z still, Kai. You've still got the tryptophan going. You need to just relax. Just watch some Goku crushing people's skulls um and then coming up we have something we haven't had in a while because he's been too dang busy to do it um and that's another bloom room and this time where is steve's adventures taking him anchorage alaska the there's an anime of- convention in anchorage yeah damn steve gets all that i want to go to the anime conventions in hawaii and anchorage like I've never been to Alaska. I've never been to Alaska either, and I would like to go. So yeah. I guess we should. So if you're some. watching this and you're yeah, the if you are a tournament director yeah. of Anchorage, <laughs> if you want a tsunami panel, we're we're game. We're game. Um, but let's see. Flight. Let's see what Steve had uh, to do. Hey, Bloomroom. This week, Anchorage, Alaska. I had never been to Anchorage, Alaska before. And yes, I was there for a convention called SanshiCon. Which was awesome. But as you know, I love to go outside. And Alaska has a lot of that. As always, I try to make new friends. Hey, Tsunami, we're in Alaska. These guys are from SenshiCon. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we're about to go see a glacier. This entire area used to be covered by a glacier. But global warming's taking its toll. And as beautiful as it is... The ice is almost gone. As you look at the glacial valley from this shot, you'll notice almost dead center that there are ice caves. That isn't just dirt there. It's all permafrost underneath. We didn't have time to go explore them, but hopefully it'll still be there so we can see it next time. We made a stop to get some fresh glacier water. Somebody stuck this pipe in the side of a mountain and tapped into the runoff. It's naturally filtered through hundreds of feet of granite, and it was cold and delicious. They called these the stairs to nowhere. Still couldn't get an answer to where they actually went originally. My friend and handler for the weekend, Ryan Horn, protected us with his badass bear spray on a utility belt. You got bear spray, you want it ready to go. (laughs) We even got to go exploring at night, found some rogue moose by the roadside, and checked off one of the things on Mary's bucket list, the Aurora Borealis. Then it was on to the Nature Conservancy, where we got to meet a lot of local animals. Look at that meat. Yeah, go after it. Mmm. As I was watching this little bear, a bald eagle landed in the tree right above him. What are the odds? And this beautiful white wolf responded to my howls. Kind of bonding. Well, that's it from Alaska. Until next time, see you in the bloom room. Moose. Airport massage. Pretty sweet. 
Steve, call us. Steve, always living that life. Yeah, call us. We want to go to Anchorage and be a part of your convention. Uh, and then finally, we've got some music to talk about. So this week, we're releasing uh, two Adult Swim singles, tracks number 30 and 31. Uh, the first one is by rapper G Perico, who had a couple, had an amazing album this year and a great mixtape last year. And he gave us a terrific G funk kind of classic sounding song uh, called Late Night. And we dropped that on Wednesday at adultswim.com slash singles where you can get that and all the other singles we've released up to this time. So let's check out a, a sneak peek. And then we also have a track from Heathered Pearls, who appeared on uh, The Last Ghostly Swim uh, and is a pretty great sort of chill electronic artist. Um, and he gave us a track called Mac and Bellevue that I think is great, which we also released this week. And again, you can get that at adultswim.com slash singles. Let's hear what that sounds like. So again, that's we're up to 31 tracks, so that's a lot of music. Go check out adultsum.com singles, give it a listen, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed working on it. And that's it for the Thanksgiving episode of Preflight. We'll be back next week with our counting down our to the beginning to count down the year. Yeah, our favorite shit of the year. That's the month of December is our favorite shit month. Always. I love, I love making those favorite lists, so I'm, I'm ready to go, ready to rock. Yep. We'll see you next week. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.